The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Truth Transforms. Join in for spiritually enlightening discussion and the practical application of new thought principles. Here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome to Truth Transforms. I am your host, Galen McDowell, and I am the Executive Minister and Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois, where the Reverend Dr. Derek B. Wells is the Senior Minister and the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman is the founder. We're in the midst of a series titled uh, The Magic of Thinking Big. Matter of fact, today is the last lesson in this series. I hope you have received some Good information that you can utilize to help make your life better, to achieve your goals, to attain your dreams, to restructure your life, to create a greater impact in your environment, whatever it is that you need. I hope that this material you gave it to you because The Magic of Thinking Big is a classic self-help book. And I think it's really important for us to recognize that when we are working on material, we need as much information as we possibly can to keep it moving. So anyway, let's get to it. How to think like a leader, because this chapter starts off with a great statement. First paragraph, it reads, remind yourself once again that you are not pulled to high levels of success. Rather, you are lifted there by those working beside and below you. Now, this is key because we have to be mindful that to achieve great heights is the people you're working with and the people that work for you that will help you achieve those heights. You can be exceptionally talented and not necessarily achieve the results you want because you just don't have the team around you that can help you do it. This is why it's necessary to be a leader and help those people get to where they need to be. You know, one of the things that, you know, I've noticed because I'm a big sports fan is how, you know, people have to learn how to lead, especially when they're exceptionally talented. You know, you take a person like Michael Jordan, who was exceptionally driven, best, you know, most talented player, best player ever in basketball. And from my opinion, and 
he was having a hard time beating certain teams because he had teammates who weren't all in. They weren't dedicated to winning, dedicated to getting better. And when his when he got the right coach, when he got the right teammates, he was able to lead them and, and help them realize, like, look, I'll carry the, you know, the 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 main weight, but I need you all to do everything you're supposed to do. I need the people who are supposed to rebound and rebound, the people who are supposed to assist to get the assist, people who you know need to defend and shut the other players down. Everybody has to play their role so we can win these championships. And in your life, if you want to achieve great success, you have to recognize that it's going to be a as a part of a team, whether you're the owner, you're the creator, content creator, or you're working besides people as a part of a team, or uh, you have a team, you know, working for you, or you're a part of a team and you're leading up, or as they would say, you're leading up, not necessarily at level or down. One way or another, it's going to require a team to get it done. You're lifted there by those working beside you and below you. He goes on to say, achieving high-level success requires the support and cooperation of others and gaining this support and cooperation of others requires leadership ability success and the ability to lead others that is getting them to do things they wouldn't do if they were not led go hand in hand all right so part of being a leader is getting people to stretch to grow to evolve to understand why we're doing what we're doing, and this is why it takes maximum effort. You know, I often go back in my mind, again, being a sports fan, when the Bulls were trying to overcome the Detroit Pistons and they had won the last two championships and they were really the thorn in the flesh of Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls. If you don't believe me, watch The Last Dance on Netflix. And it was a moment when the Bulls were really beating Detroit badly. They ended up sweeping the team, but they were uh, beating the team badly. And Detroit used to just start playing bully basketball, fouling, elbowing, knocking people down. That was their way when they couldn't beat you just playing the game. And I never forget one of the players elbowed Horace Grant in the ribs. And Horace went down, and Michael Jordan went up there and he pulled him up. Don't let them see you weak because that they know they have you. Give as good as you get. Now, why is that important? It's important because Jordan at that moment was leading him. The Detroit players knew all they had to do was get physical with Jordan's teammates. It didn't work with Jordan, but if they got physical with his teammates, that's what would end up happening. They would cower. They would psychologically get damaged, and then they wouldn't do what they needed to do. He understood that Jordan understood that he couldn't let Horace Grant show weakness. And I can remember the other player they knew they had to take out was Scotty. And I'll never forget in that series, the Bulls were dominating Detroit, and Dennis Rodman basically took Scotty out and knocked them all out into the, into, into the reporters underneath the, and, the, and the fans underneath the rim. And Scotty just got up, shot the free throws, and kept on playing. Because he knew at that point he was psychologically strong enough to do what he needs to be done, needed to be done. And because he was a leader on the team, along with Jordan, it let the other players know they can't beat us. 
they can't beat us. It's important that a leader instills that level of confidence that helps people lift up and go beyond their norms. People will float. Uh, people will stay at the level that they normally are. They won't give you more. That doesn't mean that they're, what they normally give is excellent. But if you want to achieve high success, everybody on the team needs to be pulling at a higher level. All right. So he gives a few rules on here. This book, had, this chapter has so much information. And again, if you don't have The Magic of Thinking Big by David J. Schwartz, get it. Trust me. It'll be one of the best investments that you will ever make. Just go on Amazon or wherever you buy your books and order this, The Magic of Thinking Big. If you're in another country and you're listening to this, I know I have people who listen to me in different countries in Africa and in the UK and the Caribbean and, you know, Mexico and, you know, et cetera. Wherever you order, however you order, get the book, get the book, you know, make a case study with your family, get the book. Now, what are the four leadership rules or principles? He says on page 275, trade minds with the people you want to influence. That's number one. Trade minds, trade minds with the people you want to influence. Number two, think. What is the human way to handle this? Again, think. What is the human way to handle this? Number three, think progress, believe in progress, push for progress. Again, number three is Think progress, believe in progress, push for progress. Number four, take time out to confer with yourself and develop supreme thinking power. Again, number four is take time out to confer with yourself and develop supreme thinking power. Then he goes on to say, practicing these rules produces results. Putting them to use in everyday situations takes the mystery out of that gold-plated word, word leadership. Now, let's drill down on it, all right? Let's deal with the first one. Leadership rule number one, trade minds with people you want to influence. All right, now this is key. Well, what is trade mind? What does that really mean? It really means that you have to think like the other person that you're trying to influence. Right, so if I'm a person who is trying to sell uh, baby products, baby products, then I need to think like a parent of a young baby, potentially, especially in my mindset at least, the mother especially, to get them to be able to buy my product. That's thinking like the people you want to influence. How do I get into their minds so they can see the value of what I bring to the table? Trade minds with the people you want to influence. He goes on right on page 276. Trading minds with the people you want to influence is a magic way to get others, friends, associates, customers, and employees to act the way you want them to act. Study these two case histories. So he gives these case histories, and I'm not about to drill down on but they're really great case histories uh, because he explains why people weren't getting the results that they desired because they were trying to produce either material. In one instance, a TV commercial writer and another person who was uh, had, was selling 
material in the department store, they were selling for themselves, not for the people they wanted to influence. That's key. They were selling for themselves, not for the people they want to influence. You have to know your audience, and your audience isn't just people you, uh, the people who buy your product if you are a content creator, a business owner, or an employee. Your audience is your family. Your audience is your friends. Your audience is your coworkers. Your audience is the people you want to influence to get what you need. So, for instance, I work in a church business. You know, so we have to understand our audience. Okay. Now, the audience, Christ Universal Temple is open to everybody, but our parishioners are overwhelmingly African-American. So, the African American church experience has to be a part of what we do. Now, the New Thought movement came primarily out of uh, uh, new from New England white people, and then, of course, unity in Missouri, and uh, you know, the migration of Ernest Holmes to California, and you know, a different place. So, you know, it was it was primarily a movement that was dominated by white Americans initially, and then it spread abroad. Then there were people who brought the message to the African-American culture and beyond, but I'm just speaking about African-Americans right now, like a Johnny Coleman. Now, Johnny Coleman understood that if you're going to have a black American, African-American experience, you have to have music. It has to have rhythm and flow the way that we experience church. Even as you're introducing new elements like a new thought Christianity, for instance. But it's understanding the experience. So if I go to a, one of our churches in the Caribbean, I expect it to have a Caribbean flavor. It's knowing your audience. It's knowing your audience. All right. When I go speak at places and I know that they don't have the foundation of metaphysics that I uh, you know, some places I speak, you know, uh, speak at have like, you know, you know, all, all new thought churches and self-help places aren't created equal when it comes to the drill down on these principles. So I will adapt, not water down, but adapt the lesson to make sure that people understand what I'm saying, because that's the role of a teacher. But that's also the role of a leader. Trade minds with the people you want to influence. How can I get them to utilize what I'm saying? How can I get them to do what is necessary for us to get the results that we need to get? That's key. So he goes on to say on page 278, the point is this, to get others to do what you want them to do, you must see things through their eyes. Oh, don't miss that. To get others to do what you want them to do, you must see things through your eyes. I mean, their eyes. Are you seeing it? from? And this is why it's good to talk to people and listen, because they'll tell you, whether you agree with it or not, or not how they see things. When you listen to people, they'll tell you how they see things. 
again. So now you have information that you can utilize that can help you make the decisions that you need to make. But you got to see it through their eyes, especially if you're trying to influence behavior. All right. He gives an example example of a guy he knows. He said, a very successful salesman friend told me he spends a lot of time anticipating how prospects will react to his presentations before he gives it. Trading minds with the audience helps the speaker design a more interesting, hard-hitting talk. Trading minds with employees helps the supervisor provide more effective, better-received instructions. And he gives examples after example of how this actually works with work, with politics in general. All right. All right. He goes on to say, keep this mind in question. What would I think of this if I exchanged places with the other person? Oh, I love that. What would I think of this if I exchanged places with the other person? It paves the way for more successful action. The question, would I buy this? Would I do this? Would I want to be led like this? Would I want someone talking to me like I talk to them? These are all things that a leader needs to process if you're going to be effective. Now, that doesn't mean at times, you, you, you know, sometimes you got to say the hard thing. I get that. The difficult thing. I get that. And I'm also saying, as a leader, you you have to be mindful. You have to be mindful about everything, including your body language. All right. He goes on to write, thinking of the interests of the people we want to influence is an excellent thought rule in every situation. All right. So he gives some examples on page 280 and 281. He calls them practice trading mind exercises. I'm not going to read all of them, but he gives a situation and he gives best results. Ask yourself. Number one, for instance, give someone work instructions for best results. Ask yourself, looking at this from the viewpoint of someone who is new to this, have I made myself clear? Okay, so. You need to make sure that you're giving instructions, that there's clarity in those instructions. Is it another example, situation, writing an advertisement. Best results, ask yourself. If I were a typical prospective buyer, how would I react to this ad? And he just goes on and on and on. The last one I'll give is my appearance. That's the situation. Best results, ask yourself. What would I think of my superior if he was dressed like me or she was dressed like me? This book is old, so it uses male pronouns all through the book. What would I think of my superior if he was dressed like me? You know, this is one of the things that we have to be mindful of. All right. So we need to make sure that we're trading minds with people. So he gives a couple of points that we can use with this. Number one, in trading minds with other people, consider the other person's situation. Put yourself in his shoes, so to speak. Remember, his interest, income, intelligence, and background may differ considerably from yours. Number two, now ask yourself, if I were in this situation, how would I react to this? Whatever it is, 
you want him to do. Whatever you want him to do, if you were in the same situation, how would you react to it? Number three, then take the action that would move you if you were the other person. Then take the action that would move you if you were the other person. All right. Now, moving on. Leadership rule number two. Think, what is the human way to handle this? What is the human way to handle this? Now, this is one of the things that, you know, I'm mindful of a lot. Uh, I'm not saying that I've perfected it, but I'm mindful of it. I believe in a certain level of human decency and grace when it comes to understanding that um, you know people when they screw up mess up whatever yes have accountability and make sure that you're handling handling it in a humane way even if you're terminating a person which he covers in this book in some great detail all right, because when when people know that even behind high accountability and sometimes a little toughness, that there's heart behind it, they know that they can talk to you. They know that they can reach out. They know that they can communicate. They know that you're not going to do things that are outside their best interests or the best interests of the company. There are going to be times where Sometimes you're in a situation as a leader where you really have to adapt. I can remember when I was working in uh, management and grocery, uh, they used to give uh, the managers this little uh, plaque to put in the offices, um, you know, or take home. I took mine home and put it in, in my home office, and it read, and I'm trying to remember exactly because I ended up cracking it in the move, uh, and I never got it reframed. But it basically, basically what it said was focus on the situation, not the person. It's, those aren't the exact words, but focus on the situation, not the per, not the person. Now, why? Because situations will pop up as a leader that you got to deal with. Now, I'm not saying if a, the same person has the has the problem over and over again, you got to deal with it. But they're escalating levels of problems, and each level of problem meant that you had to deal with that problem at that level of the problem not at the level of your interpretation of the individual in that in that moment. Now, why is this important? Because what ends up happening is because sometimes we either favor people or we dislike people, uh, we tend to put too much of ourselves in the situation when we're leading folks. And that's something that we need to be mindful. Am I focusing on the situation right now? The best way to resolve this, the best way to hold accountability, you know, so if I'm if I'm writing somebody up, I remember in the grocery store, you know, we had levels of if if the cashier was short this amount of money, you know, this many times warnings, the, the, the write ups would go, you know, you know, would would become more serious as it kept happening. But if a person was over a certain amount of money. Even if it was the first one, that meant that you, they were dealing with a suspension right off the bat. If it happened again, it, they were terminated, period, period, because it didn't make a difference how much you liked the person or disliked the person. You can't, you, you know, you can't give the discipline to the same person who's short, you know, $15, $10, 
versus what a person is short $100. person short $100, that's a serious issue. I'm not saying that the $10 isn't, but $100 is a, a totally different conversation. So we were taught to make sure that we, that we were mindful of are we dealing with the situation or are we in our feelings about this? And sometimes as leaders, we lead we lead with the backstory of a person corrupting our decision now. Now, I'm not saying that the backstory doesn't matter. What I am saying is we just need to be mindful that it doesn't enhance or devalue what needs to be dealt with in the moment. All right. I know how I ended up getting onto that. That wasn't part of the plan. But anyway, so he gives great examples under this chapter. But I love this statement. Matter of fact, when I was reviewing this chapter to teach it, this sentence jumped off the page, page 284. Uh, He wrote, whoever is under a man's power is under his protection, too. Now, again, he's using old male-dominated language, but get this. Whoever is under a man's power is under his protection. So he was given the example of a person who he helped, who didn't need to be working at his company, but he went beyond the call of duty, let the guy know, like, hey, you know, we're going to have to move on from you. I'm going to help you get another job, help set up appointments for this guy to get another job. Uh, And he said, and I love this. We should have never hired this man in the first place because he is not cut out for this kind of work. But since we did, the least I could do was help him to relocate. That's heart. That's heart. All right. All right. Because, you know, and then he gives examples of, you know, a person who had a great employee who ended up having a, one situation where um, I guess he, he, he was drinking and whatever and they had to be addressed at work and how the owner took the man back to the job and gave the guy another shot the guy was a great employee had one hiccup and he's like okay i'm not gonna throw this guy away for one hiccup i'm gonna give him another chance and how this guy became the most loyal employee so it goes on to say, here are two approaches to use the be human approach to make you a better leader. First, each time you face a difficult matter involving people, ask yourself, what is the human way to handle this? All right. Then he goes on to uh, say. A second way to profit from the be human rule is to let your action show you put people first. Let your action show you put people first. All right. Okay, so it looks like we're about time for the break. So we're going to take a break. I'm going to come back, do a quick little commercial, and then I'm going to cover the points three and four of the leadership rules in the magic of thinking big. So hold tight. Make sure you got your pen and your paper because we're covering some stuff. We'll be right back with Truth Transforms. Discover the power within. 
Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Truth Transforms with your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome back, everyone. Let me give my quick commercial. We are starting our classes this week. Uh, we actually started them on Monday in the Johnny Coleman Institute. You can go to Christ Universal Temple's Facebook, not Facebook, website, which is www.cutemple.org and see about signing up for a class. It's still the first week, so you can sign up. My class, Open Your Mind to Prosperity, begins tonight at 6.30 Central Time. I'm teaching the classic Catherine Ponder book. So if, you know, you're in for more Reverend Galen McDowell, come check it out. The registration price is exceptionally inexpensive. Uh, it's $20 plus. Now you will have to pay a $5 late registration fee. And we take our love offering in the class, every class for 12 weeks. So you can drill down on what it means to, to develop a prosperity consciousness, a prosperity consciousness. So you can express or manifest the abundance of God in your life. Now, we also have a live stream service, online only service because of the pandemic, 10.30 a.m. on on Christ Universal Temple's Facebook page and our YouTube page is CU Temple. And you can also go to the website, which I've already given you, 10.30 a.m. until 12 p.m. Central Time. You don't want to miss it. We're having a great time. We're wrapping up a series for the next couple of weeks called or titled You Can Have It All. You definitely want to check out those lessons and go on YouTube and watch the previous lessons. We also have a Facebook Live uh, a noonday lesson, Monday through Friday. So if you want a little bit of extra information, you can go on the Christ Universal Temple Facebook page Monday through Friday 12 p.m. Central Time and get a lesson. If you miss it, just go back and watch it. Go back and watch them. Trust me when I tell you, you will get some really good lessons. Most of the lessons are based upon the Daily Inspiration for Better Living periodical that that the Universal Foundation for Better Living produces. You definitely want to get these lessons. You definitely want to get these lessons. I'm actually teaching today. I normally teach on Wednesdays and Fridays unless something's going on where I need to cover for somebody or they need to cover for me. So I think I've covered all the stuff of the commercial. So let's get back to the teaching. Uh, Last few quick points on point two where it says uh, practice praising people, rub people the right way be human. All right. Number three, leadership rule number three, think progress, believe in progress, push for progress. Uh, And let me add, by the way, if somebody did have a question and they want to call in, you can call in at uh, 816-251-3555, 816-251-3555 if you have a question about the content. All right. Let's get to it. Leadership rule number three, think progress, believe in progress, push for progress. All right. He goes on to write, promotions in all fields go to individuals who believe in and push for progress. Leaders, real leaders are in short supply. Status quo, everything's all right, let's let's, let's don't upset the apple cart folks. He just made up, you know, 
a long word, far outnumber the progressives. Join the leadership elite. Develop a forward look. In other words, don't get stuck in precedent. It doesn't require any faith to do what you already know works. If you think it can be better, if you think it can be improved, if you think that life can show up better for you, then work towards your own progress. All right? So he wrote two things. There are two special things you can develop, uh, you can do to develop your progressive outlook. Number one, think improvement in everything you do. Number two, think high standards in everything you do. Again, number one, think improvement in everything you do. Two, think high standards in everything you do. And he gives an example of how he had to interview two people, two prospective uh, 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 employees for a person he knew who was a president of a company. And one guy, the first guy, was saying, hey, I don't know why the president has you here, but everything is working fine. Everything is humming. Everything is doing what it needs to do. The second guy was like, hey, everything is great here. But these are the things I think can help us be way better if we implemented them and gave examples of his ideas. So when 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 David Schwartz went back to the president of the company, of course he said, you need to promote the second guy. Because the other guy is just a systems person. You know, just maintain whatever we're doing right now. The other person is progressive. He can see a preferred future, and he has ideas about how to make that happen. All right. So he goes on to state on page 290, a powerful statement. Believe in and push for progress, and you'll be the leader. Or a leader, not the leader, but a leader. Believe in and push for progress, and you'll be a leader. Why? Because here's the thing. Anytime uh, you're working with people, especially, you know, leading from different levels, because people think leading means you have to be in charge all the time, but that's not the case. You know, right now, there are people who have children that are leading their homes because their child has the most influence. And leadership is influence. There are people who work at jobs where the manager or the supervisor isn't the leader. And sometimes the owner isn't the leader. It's an employee or it's a board member that has way more influence than someone else. I can never forget the story that John Maxwell tells about leadership when he said when he first got his first church out in some rural area, I think it was Indiana, and, you know, he's being brought in to be the pastor. But when he met with the leadership team and the board, one of the first things he realized was no matter what he said, the people would look at another person to see how they would react. He realized that this farmer, this man who had been in the church for many years, really was the leader in the space. And if he didn't want to do something, the people didn't do it. So he developed a relationship with the guy to the point to where he sold the man on his vision of the church. And once he got that man to buy into his vision, everybody else went along with it. Everybody else. So part of understanding leadership is you can lead up or you can lead down. You know, one of the things that, uh, you know, uh, we some couple of years ago, when we were working with our staff. We were 
going Reverend Wells was teaching a book titled The 360 Degree Leader by John Maxwell, which meant you can lead at every level. You can lead up, you can lead at your level, and you can lead down. So he was taking time monthly just to go over this material with the staff. That you can be a 360 leader, 360 degree leader. Leadership is not position. Leadership is influence. Again, that's why some people have a child that's terrorizing their home because they're the leader. When it's all said and done. Because they're influencing the household to do what they want done. This is why a leader without ethics is exceptionally dangerous. A leader that's narcissistic and egotistical is exceptionally dangerous. A leader who is not responsible or lacks integrity is exceptionally dangerous. This is why I'm a big believer in ethics, morality, and integrity. Because without those things, you can turn into a dictator. You can turn into a person who will bring harm to other people. Because you can influence people to do silly stuff. To do dangerous stuff. And to do wicked things. Leadership matters because you'd be surprised how often people think like sheep. I'm not insulting anyone when I say this, but I just have to call it like it is. You know, being called a sheep is not a compliment because a sheep is only really dealing with what's right in front of them. And they'll follow the shepherd almost over a cliff. That's why Jesus used the terms like, I am the good shepherd. I take care of my flock. I care for my flock. I'm the good shepherd. When it comes to your family, are you a good shepherd? When it comes to your co-workers or employees, are you a good shepherd? When it comes to your friends, are you a good shepherd? How do you use your influence? Are you a good shepherd? You know, as a minister and as a teacher, I'm very mindful that what I say carries a lot of weight with certain people. Not with everybody. Everybody doesn't follow me or view me as a spiritual leader. But for those who do, I know what I say carries weight. So when somebody will say something to me like, well, do you believe or would do you agree? I never let people state things for me. I restate it. This is what I'm saying. This is what I believe. This is what I think we should do. Because I need to be clear and they need to be clear what I'm saying and what I'm not saying. I'll never forget when we were, you know, you know, you know, going through the time after Reverend Coleman retired and we were, you know, the church was going through some bumpy roads. And a woman walked up to me and she said, 
If you tell me everything is going to be okay, I'll believe it. Because she was having some doubts about where we were going as a ministry. And I just looked at her and said, we're going to be okay. I believe that. I wouldn't have told it to her if I didn't believe it. Because I know that being a leader means that you have to cast a vision. Believe in it before you ask somebody else to believe in it. And then help them get there. Help them get there. It's not just about talent and ability. It's can you help them get there. That's the point. All right. Back to the book. So he gives some examples of of this point. Think progress, believe in progress, push for progress on page 293. Um you know, he gives some great examples, but I'm just, I can't cover all of them in the time I have. But on page 293, but if you have the book, page 292, take a look at it. Um, anyway, page 293. He quotes something that you've heard many times. What kind of world would this world be if everyone in it was just like me? Huh. Then he goes on to say, what kind of company would this company be? If everyone in it were just like me, in your church world, in your fraternity, sorority, in your local school board, whatever it is, what kind of church would this church be if every member was just like me? It makes you think, all right? If everybody acted like you, what could you produce? You know, it's a couple of people I'll jokingly say uh, to them, but I mean it. Um, one of my friends, uh, as a matter of fact, I just eulogized him on Monday. I used to tell him, like, man, man, you know, we have 50 of you. You know, we can get stuff done. It's another person who works on the staff. He may or may not be listening. I tell him that all the time. I mean, if we had 50 of you, because you could tell when people have the commitment to be excellent and produce results with heart, with grace and excellence. All right. So the book goes on to say, it gives you, I am a progressive thinker checklist. He gives one for your work. This is on page 293 and 294. He gives one for your family. He gives one for yourself and one for your community. I would strongly suggest that you read those. I'm just going to read, the checklist for your work only. You can deal with the rest yourself. Again, I want you to get the book. He says, do I think progressively toward my work? Number one, do I praise my work with the how can we do a better attitude? Number two, do I praise my company, the people in it, and the products and sales at every possible opportunity? Are my per- Number three, are my personal standards with reference to the quantity and quality of my output higher than three or six months ago? Number four, am I setting an excellent example for my subordinates, associates, and others I work with? These are just questions you should ask yourself, all right? You know, uh, 
I'm a, you know, I wasn't going to do it, but I'm going to read a little bit. I'm going to read these. Uh, the next one is, do I think progressively toward my family? Number one, is my family happier today than it was six, three or six months ago? Number two, am I following a plan to improve my family's standard of living? Number three, does my family have an ample variety of stimulating activities outside the home? Number four, do I set an example of a progressive, a supporter of progress for my children? Next one, do I think progressively toward myself? Can I honestly say I am more a more valuable person today than three or six months ago? Number two, am I following an organized self-improvement program to increase my value to others? Number three, do I have forward-looking goals for at least five years in the future? Number four, am I a booster in every organizational group to which I belong? Next one, do I think progressively toward my community? Have I done anything in the past six months that I honestly feel has improved my community. Number two, do I boost worthwhile community projects rather than object, criticize, or complain? Number three, have I ever taken the lead in bringing about some worthwhile improvement in my community? Number four, do I speak well of my neighbors and fellow citizens? Now, of course, I, since I work in the church world, I would just add another one about if you are a member of a religious community, I would add a list to that as well. You know, am I am I a person who volunteers? Do I financially support? Do I, you know, pray for the leadership? Do I show up as as a person with answers, or do I show up as a person of service to making sure get things get done? Do I take the lead? Am I willing to take weight off of the leadership's? Uh, uh, you know, take on some of the responsibilities to help the leadership function better. Things of that nature. All right. Leadership rule number four. Take time out to confer with yourself and tap your supreme thinking power. Again, take time out to confer with yourself and tap your supreme thinking power. All right. He wrote, we usually picture leaders as exceptionally busy people, and they are. Leadership requires being in the thick of things, but while, but while it's usually overlooked, it is noteworthy that leaders spend considerable time alone, alone with nothing but their own thinking apparatus. Check out the lives of the great religious leaders, and you will find each one of them spent considerable time alone. Moses, Buddha, Confucius, Muhammad, Gandhi. Every outstanding religious leader in history spent much time in solitude away from the distractions of life. All right. He gives examples of political leaders and everybody else. Page 296. The point is, the successful person in any field takes time out to confer with himself or herself. Leaders use solitude to put the pieces of a problem together, to work out solutions, to plan. And in one phrase, to do their supreme thinking. In other words, if you really want to be exceptional, you have to take time out just to think. And people love distractions. And right now, because we live in a different era than this book was written, there were no com com homemade computers. There were no tablets. There were no cell phones, notifications, beeps, and everything else going on all the time, you know, uh, you know, we got music on demand, talking on demand, communication on 
on demand. The, the world, World Wide Web, Internet on demand on a cell phone. It's easy to get distracted and not take time just to think. It's one of the things that helps me. You know, I'll just sit down and just think about a thing and just think about a thing and just think about a thing and just think about a thing. And sometimes then I leave it alone and I call it crock potting. You know, like you, what a crock pot, you put the ingredients into the crock pot and you just let it slowly cook until it's done. Sometimes ideas require you to crock pot them, crock pot them. You just let this idea simmer. When I have an idea for a sermon or class or something I want to teach for this show or a seminar or whatever, I'll just put the idea in the back of my mind. I, I call it back of my mind, but, you know, and I just let the idea simmer. And I come back to it and I just think about it. And I come back to it and I just think about it. And then I come back to it and I just think about it. So when people hear me, they're like, oh, okay, this guy just speaking off the top of his head. No, this has just been simmering. Now, I can't just speak off the top of my head, but when I take time just to ponder what should I do about this situation? How should I present this? Why, you know, uh, it it allows me to tap into a higher level of thinking. And I'm and I know the same is true for you. All right. Don't get don't let the distractions drown you out. Matter of fact, the um the series I'm going to begin in March, I'm going to be covering how to be more productive. I'm going to be teaching a book called The Five Choices, and it's all about productivity. Next month, I have a few shows I'm going to do. Um, matter of fact, next week, I'm interviewing a Science of Mind minister, Center for Spiritual Living minister, uh, Raymond Anderson. And the week after that, I'm going to be interviewing our CEO, COO, Gavin Jackson, about how to apply spiritual principles to business and then I'm gonna take a couple of weeks off so but the main thing that I want to get across to you is this you got to take time to think all right so he goes on to say hey bottom of page 297 talking about trainees who are told to take time to think before they dealt with situations. They discovered that decisions and observations made alone in managed solitude have an uncanny way of being 100% right. The trainees discovered uh, that when the fog is lifted, the right choice becomes clear. So he goes on to say on page 298, resolve now to set aside some time each day, at least 30 minutes to be completely by yourself. And you say, well, that's impossible. I got children. I got this. I got that. If you can sit down for 30 minutes and watch TV, if you can scroll on Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat or Twitter for 30 minutes a day off and on or more, if you actually look at your phone log and look at how you use your time on your phone, you can text back and forth. You can take time, 30 minutes a day, to be alone with your thinking. Read, think contemplate you got to give yourself the time so he goes on to say bottom of page 298 it's a lot of stuff but i can't cover everything remember the main job of the leader is thinking let me just stop right there because some people think that the main job of the leader is doing 
the remember the main job of the leader leader is thinking and the best preparation for leadership is thinking spend some time in managed solitude every day and think yourself to success again sometimes we are busy and we're not thinking and uh, we need to go back to that old analogy that you know is many times attributed to Abraham Lincoln I don't know if that's true or not if I had eight hours to chop down a tree, I would spend seven hours sharpening my axe. Are you trying to chop down a tree with a dull axe? In other words, are you moving a lot, taking a lot of action, but it's not necessarily giving you the results you desire? In other words, you aren't efficient. Efficiency matters. Efficiency matters. You have to take time to think. You know, um, to wrap this up, uh, you know, I'm a big Bruce Lee fan. And in the 60s, Bruce Lee uh, damaged his back, basically almost broke his back, lifting weights, doing a particular exercise. I can't remember which one it was. In the movie, they say he got kicked in the back, but that was not true. Some one of that, that horrible bio movie they made of his life. But he was lifting weights and he damaged his back and he couldn't practice well but when he since he couldn't practice all he could do was think martial arts and he started to recreate in his mind what his martial arts would look like so as he got himself back healthy well beyond what the doctors thought he could ever do his mind and where he what he wanted to produce as a martial artist was so strong that he evolved the martial arts that he was already doing. He was already exceptional because he was forced to just stop and think and not do. Stop your life sometimes. Go rent a hotel room. Go on a little quick vacation for a weekend. Do what you need to do to take time to just be with yourself, a notepad, a book, and think. I'll be with you next week with Truth Transforms. God bless. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. I'm Dr. Mona Lisa, and I've been a medical intuitive for over 30 years. Let me help you find new ways to heal physical and emotional problems. Be a part of my Healthy Living Intuitively podcast studio audience every week. Follow me on Facebook, Dr. Mona Lisa fan page, and Instagram, Dr. Mona Lisa One, to get that information. I answer audience questions, and you can learn from people calling in that might be dealing with the same things that you are. Follow Healthy Living Intuitively, part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network, and wherever you get your podcasts.